Okay, so I'm going to be reading today's scripture, uh, which is from Luke uh, 23, verses 39 to 43. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The sense of the reading of the word. Good morning. Remember me. Those are the last words of a man who came to his senses, who realized a deep need for redemption and salvation before his life ended. There is no doubt that Jesus will remember us. He came and he died out of a deep love for us and a desire for a genuine and real personal relationship with us. Yet his response to this man who is asking to be remembered, this man who is labeled as a criminal by others, assures him that he will be with Jesus in paradise. Those are Jesus' last words to this man. And last words, they can make a difference. They can leave a lasting impression. Jesus always remembers us, but can we say the same about remembering Jesus? I mean, I was remembering Jesus last week when I was having a conversation by phone, and I want, but then I wanted the other person to hurry up with what they were saying so I could get off the phone because I had things to do, and then I wasn't remembering Jesus anymore. I was remembering Jesus when I went to go pick up some food at the Okazuya the other day, and when I was checking out, and the cashier was wonderful, but then couldn't get the computer to work to check out everyone, and it took 12 minutes instead of a couple minutes, I forgot to remember Jesus at that time. And then there was a time that I failed to speak up when somebody made a derogatory comment to someone else hurting them, and I simply stood there and said nothing. How frequently, how well do you and I remember Jesus, especially when we are unaware ourselves that we have left Jesus at the door when we've walked out of our homes in the morning, or we've left church on Sunday, or we finished our devotional for that morning and then we just go on our business. I will be the first to tell you that I'm guilty of that more often than not. This Sunday, we are still in our series, and we are still in the Easter season, and we're kind of rewinding a little bit because we're going to this time where Jesus is not dead yet. He's on the cross, um, and we're going to continue with this, uh, with this scripture today, but we're in this sermon series that is called Rework. And right now, we're going to talk about, this is, of course, the greatest story of all time, right? This is a story about Jesus 
but we will focus on this specific passage that Leah just read for us. And this is the passage where Jesus is being crucified at skull next to two criminals. This is the one that reminds us that he remembers and challenges us to remember as well. This reworking that we've been focusing on for the past four weeks is dedicating time and attention to ways in which our lives call for perhaps deconstructing and reconstructing our lives, for remedying certain ways that we are and probably need to change, and for going back to the basics so that we can grow as followers of Christ, better equipped to serve and to love God and others. Equipping is the second part of Wellspring's vision of mending, equipping, and releasing disciples of Jesus who are beloved in Christ, becoming like Christ, and building with Christ. Equipping requires work on our part to strengthen and condition and be open to change in order to be ready for whatever it is that we are faced with next while we wait for Jesus' return. Equipping requires self-assessment to know ourselves, our strengths, and our weaknesses. These self-assessments are kind of like our regular checkups, the ones that you go to with your doctor, right? Hopefully you all go or tune-ups with your cart to make sure that everything is working okay. They're all necessary to provide awareness, to provide health of yourselves or your vehicles, and hopefully increase good outcomes. With this pandemic, many of us have shifted to telehealth visits or phone calls with doctors, right? I mean, we've, we haven't been able to go in, and I think now it's changing a little bit. And my most recent checkup, kind of spanned several months because of that, because we were doing things by telehealth. And so I did routine blood tests, I did my mammogram, and I had several phone conversations with my doctor, especially about some irregular and accelerated heart rates that I've been experiencing from time to time. So for about a month, and, and you can't see it because I try to cover it up today, I'm packing this, this heart monitor on my, on my chest here. And it actually looks like I'm wearing a key fob on my chest. So if you see me, I mean, I know people are looking, and then they just kind of stare at that place. I'm just telling you. Um, yes, it looks like a key fob on my chest, but it's just monitoring any irregularities that happen with my heart. This is kind of checking up on my heart. And unfortunately, I just got this on Friday. There are all kinds of things that I have to remember with it. They gave me a box. They made me, it came with this instruction pamphlet. And we all know, right, we read those instruction manuals. They told me to watch a 10-minute video where there was just tons of information in it. And so I have to do things like remember to change the battery, charge the battery, change out the fob, check the different indicator lights, green, yellow, or blue, red, right? And probably most cumbersome of all is making sure that I have this thing that looks like a cell phone on my back, and um, it has to be within 10 feet of me at all times or it's going to beep, and I'll have a red light flash on my chest. Um, but I still forget. I still forget to carry it with me. And if I can forget something tangible that I need to wear on me or have near me 24-7, how easy is it for me to forget when 
Jesus, to forget Jesus when there's nothing tangible about him in front of me, right? How can I rework things to remember Jesus, the Holy Spirit working in me more? And this is where the two men on the cross next to Jesus come in. Pastor Yumiko's message last week was an important reminder that context and content matter when we're seeking God's truth and his word. And we already identified that these two men, they're, they're labeled criminals, hardened criminals. In fact, so I looked up the Greek word that, and I'm going to try to not mutilate this, kakurogos, which is a Greek word that translates um, as criminal or evildoer, or one who commits gross misdeeds and serious crimes. And the book of Matthew and Mark also make reference to these two men briefly, and they call them leistes, or robbers and bandits. And some have referred to them as thieves that would hijack travelers on the road to and from Jerusalem, and they would take their possessions and hurt or even kill people, innocent victims. So basically, these were bad guys that did terrible things to others. And in between these two men was Jesus, innocent, sinless, and the sacrificial lamb for all of humankind, including these two men, whose lives really seemed unworthy of sacrifice, if I can be honest. I mean, if anyone deserved to be executed or punished, they did, right? Perhaps, though, see, and we don't even know their names, right? They're these two guys, and we don't know their names because they're not mentioned in the Bible. They don't give them names. So I'm going to talk about them a little more, and so I'm going to call the one who ridiculed Jesus, the one who ridiculed Jesus, okay? And then there's the one who realized and remembered, which was the other guy on the cross. And aside from the fact that these two men were deemed criminals, there are two things I, I can think of that these men have in common. Anyone have any ideas or want to guess what that might be, what, what they might have in common? Aside from the fact that they're both criminals. <laughs> okay, well, this is what I came up with. So um, that they're both going to die and that they're both deathly afraid of dying. Behind their responses, although very different ones, is fear. Fear shows itself in different ways, depending on the person. And fear affects our behavior and our attitudes, sometimes positively and sometimes not so. All of our emotions, our sadness, our anger, even our joy, can be very powerful triggers of behavior. And so it becomes really important to check, to check ourselves in order to know that we are keeping Christ first and foremost in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, to be congruent with Christ's way. This awareness of ourselves, of others, of our surroundings, it is the connector to remembering Jesus. And it tells us how to be in life with each other well. So I have two points today. I told Pastor Yumiko she inspired me to have just two points, easy points. So on your notes, if you have, your, if you have the bulletin or the handouts, um, we're talking about 
an awareness checklist. And so the first one is just an attitude check. Simple as that, an attitude check. And the second is the action check. The action check. And while both of the men are hanging next to Jesus, they are, of course, being shamed, right, by this method of punishment. They are drawing an audience. They are being watched by Roman soldiers and other bystanders who have come to see Jesus die a painful death, and they're part of being witness, right? Both of these men, they have attitudes at this time. Who, who wouldn't? So let's check them out. The one who ridiculed is caught up in the taunting of Jesus, right? He hung there and hurled insults at him. Yet desperate circumstances call for desperate reactions. And as he calls out these insults, he also calls out to Jesus to prove he is the Messiah by saving himself and the two of them from death. And then there's his counterpart, the other criminal, the one who realized, the one who remembered. And he becomes repentant. Yes, his confession is a little weak, but he acknowledges that Jesus has done nothing wrong compared to the two of them. They deserve their punishment. He's got this clear enough headspace going on to check himself and to approach Jesus in an entirely different manner as a result of that. Think about the last time that you had an attitude about something. Hmm. Is it like just this morning, maybe? <laughs> if you were to check yourself, what was really behind it? Fear? Sadness? Being hurt? What were you feeling? And how did you respond? Were you like the one man who was resistant and ridiculing, unable to admit wrong, very much unlike Christ? Or were you able to recover yourself and respond the way of the other criminal, or even the way that Jesus would? Usually our attitude affects our actions, right, and our responses. And sometimes action even means like inaction, right? We don't even do anything when maybe we should. The one who remembered, the one who responded well, doesn't hesitate. He blurts out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He is crying out for help. He is crying out to be saved in response to this newfound awareness. He's got the Savior right there next to him. He has nothing to lose and everything to gain. And he makes the right call to call out to Jesus. What if he were like that? ridiculing man, and he didn't. What if he didn't call out? And what happened to the one who ridiculed Jesus? And I often think about that, like, and I, and I hope, my hope is that, you know, we get bits and pieces of the story in the Bible. My hope and my prayer is that eventually, maybe he did cry out too, I don't know. Maybe he cried out to Jesus quietly to save him too. Luke didn't tell us that part. Or maybe he just told us this much to illustrate this dichotomy of what choosing Jesus looks like. 
Remembering to check our attitude and our actions and adjust accordingly is remembering Jesus. Remembering Jesus draws us into the covenant or the promise that Jesus has made with us when he had his last supper with his disciples and reminded them of a way to be present with him, although he would no longer walk the earth with them one day. Remembering Jesus is about more than salvation, but also about this special, sacred relationship that each one of us shares, knowing that he heals, that he protects, that he teaches, that he leads and comforts, he transforms, and most of all, he loves us. Remembering Jesus is about bringing our Savior into our everyday lives and making him present in everything that we do. A few weeks ago, if you talked to me a few weeks ago, you, you know this, but I was drowning in classes for a seminary and trying to manage my caseload at work, fitting in clients where I could. And I was so focused on researching and reading and writing a thesis paper. And so anything that tipped the scales even a little bit and took away from that time that I could work on my paper, it made me anxious. It made me upset. <laughs> it stressed me out. And it's amazing the power that I actually put or gave to this class, but I did. And so when I received a couple of calls from my clients at work asking for help, right away, the attitude surfaced. And it was already being tested, but it became even more negative. So I want to tell you about two of these clients that happened to call me on um, what I thought was like the most inopportune time. And one God brought through an acquaintance, and it really was, you know, God in the mix, because I never would have met this person if it hadn't been for someone that came to church that knew someone else that knew someone else that needed help. And this woman was soon to be homeless. She was very sick, have, has terminal cancer, no resources left. Recently, her husband divorced her. And this is her third recurrence of cancer. So she's going through chemo. And she needed some legal documents to help her so that her family from, that lives far away could help do things for her as she was getting weaker and sicker. And so, of course, hearing that, I thought, oh, okay, well, that's what I do. So yeah, okay, yeah, let me, I, I totally can help you. And, so some emails went back and forth, and, we were con and she was conferring with her family. And preparing the documents wasn't so bad, but you know what? I said, oh, I can, I can even um, go to her to help her sign these, because I have my, my notary license. And we're like, oh, great, where does she live? The North Shore. <laughs> and here I was, all right, I'm in town. And she didn't drive, didn't have a car. And all I could think of was, oh my gosh, how much time is this going to take for me to drive out there and drive back and meet with her? And what if I meet with her and she really can't sign anything? Because I really didn't know, right? I have to, I have to talk to her. And, another, and, and if it were any other time, yeah, it would have been a really nice drive out there. But not now, not at this time. 
and too much to do, right? So my attitude, if I can just say, it just really sucked. <laughs> and um, so fast forward, okay, fast forward, eventually we were able to connect. And this is where I, I feel like, you know, with this attitude thing, I was like, okay, come on, Cheryl, get it together. She needs help. This is what you do. This is why you opened your practice, to help people. And so as we talked, she, was, she said, you know what? I have a ride. Someone's going to drive me. Someone's going to bring me to you. And so we were able to connect and make everything happen before she, you know, she really takes a turn for the worst. But all that time, yeah, I was thinking, like, where was my compassion? It was kind of there, but, um, yeah. I, I really had to do a check of remembering, and those of you who have been with me on the journey, too, when I opened my practice 13 years ago, I opened it as part of this mission to be able to help people that couldn't afford. I mean, yeah, there's people that can pay, but there's also people that I wanted to be able to service. And so all of that, that was like that check of what are you, what, what's going on with you, Cheryl? What are you doing, right? <sighs> remember Jesus, remember Jesus, right? Jesus would go to her. So as, I, um, as, as, we, as we met and she came into my office, oh my gosh, she, she was a wonderful lady. She was a, a, had a, has a brilliant mind, brilliant mind. And we talked for an hour, and she signed all her documents, and she was grateful, so, so grateful. And as she left, she said, you know, like, all glory to God, no matter what happens. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, she, she knows Jesus. <laughs> And Jesus used her to really like help me get that attitude check in place so that I could respond better to her. She knew Jesus and she remembered Jesus in her battle. And she helped me to remember him eventually too. And then there was one more client, another lady, wonderful lady, and she's been my client for over five years. And ever since I've known her, she has been confined to a bed. She can't move. She has 24-hour caregivers coming in to help her. And I recently got this call from her when I was working on my paper. And she said, you know, I've met with the doctors, and they're telling me it could be any time. Might be a few months, but it might be tomorrow. But I'm basically, I'm basically dying now. Now I'm dying. And so can you come and can I, can you come and um, can I see you? And so she lives in town, thank goodness, right? And I often go to her house for house calls. That's how we meet, because she can't come to me. And all the times I've gone to her, it's been wonderful. She, she's just like such a, a sweet lady. And so this time, though, I was like, oh, my gosh, because every, every time I go, it, it's usually for a couple hours. I usually spend a couple hours with her. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, okay. So we set up time, and I went to her house, and we talked through a lot of her last final things. And she has, her husband passed a while ago, quite a while ago, and so did her only son. And so she's all by herself, and she's depending on these caregivers to help her. And she got really close to a caregiver, and he died during COVID. So, you know, she's like having these new caregivers, and she doesn't really know them, having to trust them, having to depend on them. And then some of her family that is um, from the mainland or further away, they'll call from time to time, but really she's alone. 
And one thing I noticed about her is she never gets, she never gets like testy or she never would get angry or upset about her situation. It was really, she was just really accepting of it. And so when I went to her house, we talked a couple hours later and we're talking and then I just kind of asked her, um, what do you, you know, what, have you told anybody what you want when you actually pass away? Have you, have you talked about like, do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? Do you want a service? Where are you going to be buried? And she said, well, you know, I haven't told anybody. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write this down. I'm going to take notes on this. And she said, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really told anybody, but I bought myself a plot. So I, I know where I'm going to go. And I, I think I want to be cremated. And I said, um, any faith? Any, any spiritual affiliation? And I really thought she was going to say Buddhist, honestly. And she said, well, I've always kind of thought of myself as more Christian. And, you know, I said, oh, really? And so tell me more about that. And she said, well, when I was a child, my parents would drop me off at Sunday school at a Baptist church. And I'd go to Sunday school, and it was really fun, and they taught me stories. And I got to meet all, all kinds of other kids, and, and, I, and I learned songs like, Jesus loves me. And I was like, oh. And so she goes, yeah, I remember that song. And so we talked a little bit more, and I said, well, did you ever pray that and ask, and ask Jesus into your heart? And, you know, I said, this is what would have maybe happened. And she said, oh, no, I don't think so. I just thought when I went to church, you know, that was it. And so I said, oh, do you, do you want to pray? I'd love it if we could pray right now because, you know, that, that would just kind of give you some peace knowing that where you're going to be after. And she actually said, yes, okay. And so we prayed. And it felt like there was just um, so much peace. And so when I said goodbye to her, I don't know. I don't know if it's my last time seeing her. But the fact that she was willing, the fact that she received, officially received Christ, I felt her peace because our last words together, they were important words that mattered. And they were words that showed that she remembered Jesus and Jesus remembered her, right? I mean, I don't, I don't get to have those conversations often with clients, at least not to that extent. So, so friends, as we, as we bring this time to a close, I have this final question that I want to pose to you. Um, as you consider when you check in with yourself, like how is your attitude, what is my action, I'm going to be, um, one of the questions I was wrestling with was, um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, if you, if you have some thoughts and you want to come tell me what you think. Do you ever wonder why Jesus was crucified with two others on, at Skull? Do you ever wonder that? Like, why didn't they just put Jesus up there? And, and you know, because he, that's right, they wanted to see him really die. Um, and, Scripture tells us, though, in Isaiah 53, 12, God said of the Son of Man that he'd pour out his life unto death and would be numbered with the transgressors. So these two men on each side. So Scripture foretold it that way, so that's, that's a reason. Um, but still I wonder, like, what else? Like, why would Scripture say that? What else was it for? And so you want to hear my theory? Okay, so, so these guys were outcasts. They were people that you wouldn't normally want to hang out with, right? 
who would want to hang out with them. Couldn't trust them, and yet these were the kinds of people that Jesus spent most of his time with in his ministry, right? He spent time with those who were needing healing, who were outcasts, who were poor, who were unseen, who had faulty thinking and did bad things, right? And so it made sense that he came into this world in humbly and lowly circumstances, and he was going to leave this world in that way. So I was thinking, yeah, Jesus, hanging on that cross next to these two men, up to the very last moments where he died, he was still ministering. He was still trying to teach and preach and reach other people. He was still showing us how to be an example of how to live and to serve, right? He didn't condemn them. He didn't ridicule them back. But he just stated the promise that today you'll be in paradise, right, with me. Jesus wasn't going to stop doing ministry until he breathed his last breath. And as excruciating as the pain must have been, he pushed through it to offer his love and his salvation to these two men who he never labeled as criminals. He saw them as people, and he invited them to the same family as you and I and treated them with the same love and kindness that he treated you and I with. His example was to contend for all to belong to God's family until the very end. So will you rework your life to do the same? Will you remember Jesus as he remembers you? Let's pray. Lord God, to know that you see each of us, that you call us by name, without labels, that you hold nothing against us, that you wait for us is really mind-blowing. Who else would do that? Who else could do that? Father, thank you for the ways that you are gentle with us, but also firm enough. Thank you that you remind us by your own example what it takes and means to be aware present to you, and also aware and present to what needs attention in our lives. We pray that it would become second nature for us to check ourselves and our attitudes and our actions, that it would be our way of calling on you to shape us and to transform us for the better. Father, that you remember us and never stop contending for us to belong to your family. Lord God, say was an invitation to not only knowing you for the first time as we saw the man on the cross receive Jesus, but also to reaffirm our commitment to remember and to follow you if we have been far away from you for a while. And so I just pray now if there's anyone here this morning that has never asked Jesus into their hearts or feels they want to return to you, to make this conscious effort to, to put you first, to remember you in their daily walk. I invite you to repeat and pray these words silently as I lead you. Jesus, I want to know you more.
Jesus, I confess that I have done a lot of things that aren't right, that I am a sinner, and that you came to rescue me. Please forgive me. Forgive the distance I have put between us. As a first-timer, or one that's known you for a while, Lord, I ask you into my heart in new and fresh ways. If I've been far away from you, if my attitudes and actions are in need of a reality check so that I can be more aware of you, I come to you now to reaffirm my life. I give my life to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we know you remember us always. Give us strength and awareness to remember you always. In Christ's mighty name, amen.